Deuteronomy chapter 7, and beginning in verse 6 today, Moses says this, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the people on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. On this weekend, again, we remember those who, who died for our country, those who gave their life for our liberties, for our freedoms, for our very way of life. We remember those that, that died in one of our wars, revolutionary, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan. And they are true heroes of our country, deserving of our honor. Also on this day, we cannot help but remember friends or loved ones who also have passed on. Most of us have someone that we are honoring in some way this weekend. Now, when we do that, we often think about that individual's last week. We think about perhaps their last day, perhaps the last time that we saw them and what they said. Those memorials, those pictures in our minds, those memories inspire us. They, they challenge us. At times, they, they, they stir our hearts with, with emotion, and they, they can even rekindle love and passion. They can even resurrect dreams that we have allowed to become dormant. They remind us of good ways to live our lives. They, they remind us of proper disciplines. It's important and it's wise to remember and be thankful. Today, I want to look at the end of life for one of our heroes of faith. It started in a basket on the Nile River and it ended on Mount Nebo. There is something special about this, this story. I don't know what it is, but it has spoken to me since I was in Bible school. It, it's something about it just centers me. Something about it brings focus. It, it, it resets my thinking. And over the years, I've given aspects of it to you here and there. Today I want to do a little bit more because it is a memorial day that God planned through perhaps the world's greatest leader. And in this crazy world 
where lies are expanded upon every single day, where trust is eroded by the steady drip of injustice, unfairness, where peace festers in the infectious lust for power, where lack exists simply because of dumb decisions, where selfishness and greed have, have become guiding principles for far too many in our government, where people with their PhDs now have to be told men can't have babies. They can't. Where follow the science means make it up as you go. Whereas Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 24, the blind guides, blind leaders or blind leadership, strain at gnats and follow camels or swallow camels. It seems to me we at least once a year need to, pre to press the reset button and see again, remember again, things that really matter, things worth giving our life for, things worth living our life for, things that, that we will not compromise, words that are God's words of truth, words that we base our conscience upon and our cornerstones that align our culture, principles that provide a constant compass directing us in the way that we should go, words that we must remember or we lose our way. Hmm. Let's look at Moses and glean some valuable life lessons. Verse 9 that I read said this again, Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. The children of Israel were camped on the plains of Moab. They were camped alongside of the Jordan River. Just on the other side, of course, was the promised land that spread as far as they could see. They were finally, it was finally time to go in to that promised land. After 40 years of wilderness wandering, after 40 years of having to battle enemy after enemy, after 40 years of sometimes great confusion, after 40 years, finally, it was time for them to cross that river and go in. At this point, Moses, their, their, their great leader, has now determined to pass on the reins of leadership to Joshua. Joshua was his personal assistant for 40 years. Also at this point, God has told Moses now, you're not going to go in with them. You've done a good job. You, you've, you've done great, but your assignment is over 
Now I'm going to transition things. Also, at this point, many do not realize that the book of Deuteronomy itself occurs during the last week of Moses' life. The entire book does. Every part of it occurs in his last week, and most of it occurred on his last day. 90% of the book of Deuteronomy was spoken on the last day he was with these people, and only 10%, Joshua finished the 10%, and it was just bridging the gaps a little bit so that it flowed together. All 90%, well, all 100%, and he did 90% on the last day that he was with his people, and also his last day with them happened to be his 120th birthday. That's important to know because it sets the context the, the context. It, it sets the scene. It deepens the point. It deepens the re revelation. I mean, if we were to have heard President Reagan speak when he was 25 years old, maybe that would have inspired us. I don't know. But not the way that it would have inspired us if it was his 120th birthday and the last day he would ever speak. Oh, we would listen different. We would listen with far more attention. The last week of Moses' life is spent proclaiming this book to a new generation. Moses prepares the sons and the daughters of former slaves to go in and possess the land. He prepares them by putting God's covenants and his blessings into present tense consciousness. He says them again. He restates the, the covenants. He restates the promises. He knows there is absolutely no other way that they are going to find good success. He does so in part by reviewing his first four books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers, they were written during the 40 years over time. And they were all written in didactic style or teaching style. They were written in concise laws, but not Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy was just flat out preaching. He just got up and preached. And here on the plains of Moab, overlooking the Jordan River, he preaches a sermon to remember concerning their past 40 years, and he preaches their experience of salvation and divine providence, puts it all in, in perspective, preparing for one of the most pivotal days in all of history, a day that affects our spiritual liberties and freedoms to this day when they would pass over into the promised land. It still speaks to us. So, it was time. It was time to go. Jericho, with its massive 54-foot-high walls, could be seen across that river. 
over in the plains area. Also, we know that this is the day before he would go up on Mount Nebo to die. The next day, Moses would climb to the summit of Mount Nebo and he would gaze out over that promised land as God showed him all of the areas that had been promised. Here's the area I promised. Here's the area I, I promised. And he gazed out over it all. And he would die there, even though the scripture tells us that he wasn't weak and not even his vision was dim. Michael, the archangel, was about to fight Lucifer over his body. Lucifer fought Michael for Moses' body, probably to create some kind of shrine or memorial with it so that people would come and worship Moses. He was trying to pollute things. But Michael, the strongest angel God ever created, fought Lucifer off, just like he had fought him off when he had tried a coup attempt in heaven, and he threw him off that mountain. Jude chapter 1 and verse 9 simply says this, Michael contended with the devil over Moses' body. He was not going to allow Lucifer to use Moses. And then in a scene that is hard to comprehend, Michael, this powerful angel, he, he moves to a sentry-type position. He moves and becomes a guardian watcher again. And God himself comes upon that mountain. And God himself buries Moses. God married his, er, buried his friend on that, on that summit which tells us something that we, we just don't comprehend about God, how much He values the life of His people, how much He values their friendship. God buried the one who spoke with Him face to face as friends. Absolutely incredible. I mean, Michael was fully capable of burying Moses. He could have done it easy. If he needed help, he's got a thousand warriors. But God said, step aside. I'm going to take care of my friend, myself. There's something about that that tells us something about God. He doesn't mind getting in the dirt and in the tough times. He doesn't mind. He values friendship. It's amazing. I don't even know how to, to say my feelings about that picture. No other time are we ever told, not even when his own son died, not ever are we told that God buried anybody. But he said, I've lived with that man. I've, I've stood with him. He's been my friend. 
and I'll bury my friend. Amazing. Something's happening here that we got to pay attention to. What a demanding week this must have been for Moses. His mind, his emotions, they must have been heightened to an extreme alert type of uh, level. What an intense drive he must have shown. I mean, the people as well as Joshua, they must have sensed his, his passion and his focus and the anointing that was upon Moses as he flowed with inspiration. I mean, put yourself there, 1300 to 1400 B.C. What drama must have been unfolding in the tribal camps. They're camped all along that Jordan. Everyone knew something's happening. Everyone knew something is, is changing. There's a shift going on. And it's hard to imagine what we are seeing. Moses' leaders, they must have watched his every move with rapt attention. The 70 elders followed him everywhere he went. And we know there were hundreds of scribes that never left him looking to take their notes. Joshua himself, he doesn't know what to make of this after 40 years of serving this man, and now he's receiving a mantle. He doesn't know if he can even handle his wife, his daughters, his sons, his grandchildren also must have been keenly aware that something very special is about to take place. Destiny is culminating right before their eyes. A new era is going to begin. And while Moses has stated the principles of God to Israel for 40 years, this time he's doing so under a different anointing. It's greater. While he was stating principles that that he had proclaimed for years. This time, he has nearly 80 years of experience behind it. 40 years in exile. 40 years in the wilderness. This time, he has the proven quality of walking with God, of, of being God's friend, coming through his words. This time, there's a conviction in in his words that have a different ring to it, a genuineness, a, an authenticity, a relationship. It has a ring that only walking with God year after year after year after year can, can bring forth. I mean, sage wisdom doesn't come by walking down easy street. It comes by pressing in to the very presence of God himself. The man who begged God, let me see your face. The man who stood in the presence of lightning and fire on Mount Sinai when God's presence appeared. The man who fell where the whole mountain shook violently. The man who watched the invisible fingers of God etch ten commandments in stone. The man who had seen miracles that we can hardly imagine was pouring himself into the final week and the final day. He wasn't reclining on a, a couch musing about what might have been. 
He's not taking it easy. He's not asking for favors for his family. He has one thing on his mind. His focus is clear. One more time, he's going to state the holy principles of the God he has served. Samuel Wilberforce said, some clergy prepare their sermons. Others prepare themselves. Moses was prepared on both counts. In the last week of his life, he is rewriting, he is restating straight from his heart the word of God. Moses stands at the base of Mount Nebo the day before he is going to climb to the summit. It was a natural amphitheater there. You could, you could hear for great distances, thousand yards or so. You could hear so clear. It's why it was chosen. And Moses looks out at nearly 750,000 to a million people. He, he looks out at these former slaves and he begins his sermon. And the sermon is simply titled... Deuteronomy, meaning, say it again. It means repeat again the words previously spoken. Moses says, I'm going to say this one more time. I'm going to say it again. He would speak three times on this last day, to, three times to all of the, the people, as hundreds of scribes, and historians wrote furiously. We know this. They had a system whereby one scribe would write the first line or sentence. And that was all he had to remember. Then the next would write the next and so on. Then when it was done, all of these scribes would put it together. And you would have an accurate statement of what was said. It's like a recording. And they were very, very good at it. It's why we have exactly what he said. He gave three messages that day. And each one was about two hours long. Aren't you glad I'm not Moses? <laughs> On his 120th birthday. He preached six hours. There are so many memorial type statements that Moses declared in his final day. On this occasion today, we can't possibly name them all or state them all. You'd have to read the whole book to do it, and I encourage you to do it. Just understand that all happened as he spoke for six hours. Here's just a few. Deuteronomy 6.2, he stood along the banks of the Jordan River and with strong voice declared, reverently fear the Lord your God. You and your children and your children's children keep all his statutes. And his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. You would have heard Deuteronomy 6, verse 7 through 9. 
Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're walking on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your houses and on the gates. It's incredible. It's, it's incredibly important to understand that the first thing this magnificent leader stresses on the last day he's with God's people, just before they will finally possess the promised land and form a country, develop a functioning society with now geographical boundaries, create a social environment for great success, be a nation that could thrive under the blessings of Almighty God. One of the first things stressed was teach God's Word to your children. You will not be a successful country if you do not. See to it. You teach them his principles. Go over them. And don't let anyone teach them different. Teach them what God says. Teach, teach them in your homes. Teach them when you're walking through the streets. Bring something about God's word up when you put him in bed at night. And bring something about God's word up when you get them up in the morning. And then, then repeat it. Then repeat it again. Then repeat it again. Then Repeat it again. Then just keep saying it. Build reverent respect for God into the core of their lives. Then they will be successful. And then they will be joyful. And then the cultural environment will promote the blessings of the Lord in the entire land. Mm. America once knew and practiced this great principle. We saw to it, the kids understood God's ways. We taught them to reverence God. We taught them His commandments. We even put them on our school walls. We put them on the courthouse walls. We put them on government building. It was understood moral values are, are the sound basis for a great nation. But we allowed ites to teach them differently. We allowed ites to destroy their compass. We allowed demon doctrine to destroy a cultural, moral core. And now we see the results. Wickedness, lawlessness, hatred, division, families destroyed, injustice, lack, children Bewildered as to who they are. 
loss of freedoms, loss of liberties, oppression. We have seen the murder of 63 million infants in their mother's womb, aborting their lives, aborting their destiny, destinies. But also we have seen the destruction of the souls of, of millions of children that are living outside the wombs now by those vile enough to teach them good's evil and evil's good. Those vile enough to teach them the creator of the universe, the creator of their lives, neglected to define their, uh, their gender. So we'll define it for you. And now it is imperative that we, that we remove this soul pollution by heeding the message of Moses. Teach the children what God says. Then repeat it. Then repeat it again. Then repeat it again. Then repeat it again. Just keep saying it. And don't let anyone tell them different. Not schools, not, not government, not Hollywood, not educated fools. If you would have been there at the base of Mount Nebo along that Jordan, you would have heard Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You, you would have heard these words ringing through that amphitheater, Deuteronomy 7, verse 15. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of these terrible diseases of Egypt which you've known. You would have heard Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. Always remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. Deuteronomy 20 verse 1, you would have heard these words echoing through that amphitheater. And I'm sure the Canaanite spies hiding out along that, that river, they also heard it loud and clear. When you go to war against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and soldiers far outnumbering you, do not recall, recoil in fear of them. God, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt is with you. When the battle is about to begin, let the priest come forward and speak to the troops. He'll say, attention Israel, attention you people of God. In a few minutes, you're going to do battle with your enemies. Don't waver. Don't waver in resolve. Don't fear. Don't hesitate and don't panic. 
God, your, your God is right here with you. Fighting with you against your enemies. Fighting to win. Don't worry about the numbers. God will help you win. What a moment. What a memorial day. What a day. In the evening, after preaching two hours in the morning, two hours that afternoon, in the evening meeting he preached, and we know because the scribes inform us and because Joshua also informed us and summarized it, he preached and he prophesied the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. At 120 years of age, he stands and preaches Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 through 13. It's one of the greatest passages of anointed inspirational speaking in all of the Bible, and I believe in all of time. Consciously go back in time today if you can, as though you were one of the ones there at the base of Mount Nebo. It had to be unbelievably quiet. As quiet as a, that many of people, that kind of a multitude could be. So quiet you could hear the leaves rustling in the trees alongside of that Jordan River. No one wants to miss a word. The sun's beginning to set. As Moses walks out before the people for the very last time. He looks at the people, soaking up the moment. And with strong voice again, he declares these words. If you fully obey the Lord your God. And carefully keep all of his commands that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and need boards, spread boards, they'll be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from, from one direction, but they will scatter before you seven ways. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your barns with, with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as a holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you blessings. You will receive many children. 
blessings on numerous livestock and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain in the proper time from his rich treasury of blessings and he will bless everything you do. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. I don't know what happened at that point. I would have shouted. Now, our forefathers claimed these blessings from God upon this nation. They were unashamed about it. The, the United States of America, our government claimed those blessings, and indeed, they have proven themselves to be real. We are blessed. I chose to read this text in the beginning today, Moses' words in verse 9, for a reason. It says, therefore, know the Lord your God. He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. See, Moses knew that God was faithful. He knew it. He knew God would keep his covenant. He knew he would keep his word. He knew that God could be trusted because he was trustworthy, worthy of trust. Sometimes when you're driving along, you see signs on businesses, and at the bottom it says, so many years in business, 25 years of experience, 50 years of experience, 100 years of experience. In other words, you can trust us. No one has the thousands and thousands of years of being faithful like God. He's never failed a test. Never. There's never failed one word of all his good promise. Moses' admonition was, trust God. I know he's faithful. He keeps covenant. He keeps mercy. I know he is so merciful. Moses says, Know this, know this. He is God, the faithful God. The word that he used, the Hebrew word for, for know there is the Hebrew word yada. It's a word in the Hebrew language referring to pregnancy. There are passages all over the Old Testament that describe it. For example, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. Yada, pregnancy. Moses says to, it's one of his last statements. Moses says, become pregnant with this thought, this, this thinking. Conceive this principle deep in your being, in the womb of your life. Let come alive. He is God. He is good, and He is faithful. 
He's God. He is good. He's faithful. He's God. He's good. He's faithful. Let those words ring in this place and throughout the land as they did in that amphitheater. He's God. He's good. He's faithful. Let it birth in you possibilities that are endless. Let it birth in you a mercy that endures forever. Let it birth in you a hope that prevails in every circumstance of life. Yada, conceive this living truth. He is God. He is good. He is faithful. Moses could have listed a hundred reasons of how he had proven God to be faithful. There are many in our land today and throughout history that could make the same statement. I know I could. I've proven he's faithful. Go in and possess the land pregnant with this thought in your heart and mind. He's faithful. Let it grow in you. Nurture it, feed it, mature it. Make it a part of your inner core. Let it birth freedom, liberty, blessings, healings, miracles. He's trustworthy. Moses could have said, I don't know why I can't go in and possess the land with you. He could have stood up on that last day and said, I, I, don't, I don't think it's fair. I, I have worked so hard and, and I don't get to go in and possess the land. He could have pouted, but he didn't. There was no bitterness. There was no rebellion. There was no questioning of God. There was no indignation. Only the statement that we should all be inspired by and inspire to. His statement, I trust him. It was the last statement that we know of he made. I trust him. He's good. He's God. He's good. He's faithful. Whenever I finish up, I hope that's my last words. He's God. He's good. He's been faithful. He's the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy to a thousand generations. He's that same God today. And he's going to be faithful to do exactly what he told us he is going to do. We will possess the land Singers and musicians, come forward. Mm. Um, we got to tell that girl to write a song about that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Today, I don't know the situation of your life. Don't even really need to. To make a truth statement, he's God. He's good. He's faithful. 
Maybe you need this good, faithful God to touch you today. We are hearing so many testimonies from when Tony was here. It's amazing. He was a different kind of a guy, but wow, did they anointing for miracles come. But he's God in this room today. He's good in this room today. He's faithful.